Section 4, Volume 2 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night Translated by Richard Burton This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night Volume 2, Section 4 when it was the thirty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Nur ad-Din sat upright and said, Ho, Shaykh Ibrahim, what is this? Did I not abjure thee a while ago, and thou refusedst, saying, What I? Tis thirteen years ago since I have done such a thing. By Allah, quoth the Shaykh, and indeed he was abashed, no sin of mine this, she forced me to do it. Nur ad-Din laughed, and they sat down again to wine and wassail. But the damsel turned to her master, and said in a whisper, O oh my lord, drink, and do not press him, that I may show thee some sport with him. Then she began to fill her master's cup, and he hers, and so they did time after time, till at last Shaykh Ibrahim looked at them, and said, What fashion of good fellowship is this? Allah curse the glutton who keepeth the cup to himself. Why dost thou not give me to drink, O my brother? What manners are these, O blessed one? At this the two laughed until they fell on their backs. Then they drank and gave him to drink, and ceased not their carousal till a third part of the night was past. Then said the damsel, O Shaykh Ibrahim, with thy leave I will get up and light one of these candles. Do so, he replied, but light no more than one. So she sprang to her feet, and beginning with one candle, lighted all the eighty, and sat down again. Presently Nur ad-Din said, O oh, Shaykh Ibrahim, in what favour am I with thee? May I not light one of these lamps? Light one, replied he, and bother me no more in thy turn. So he rose, and lighted one lamp after another, till he had lighted the whole eight, and the palace seemed to dance with brilliancy quoth the shaykh, and indeed intoxication had overcome him. Ye two are bolder than I am. Then he rose to his feet, and opened all the lattices, and sat down again, and they fell to carousing and reciting verses, till the place rang with their noisy mirth. Now Allah, the decreer, who decreeth all things, and who for every effect appointeth a cause, had so disposed that the caliph was at that moment sitting in the light of the moon at one of the windows of his palace overlooking the Tigris. He saw the blaze of the lamps and wax candles reflected in the river, and lifting his eyes perceived that it came from the garden palace, which was all ablaze with brilliancy. So he cried, Here to me with Ja'afar the Barmaki, and the last word was hardly spoken, ere the wazir was present before the commander of the faithful, who cried at him, O dog of a minister, hast thou taken from me this city of Baghdad without saying aught to me? What words are these words? asked Ja'afar. And the caliph answered, If Baghdad city were not taken from me, the palace of pictures would not be illuminated with lamps and candles, nor would its windows be thrown open. Woe to thee! Who durst do a deed like this, except the caliphate had been taken from me? Quoth Ja'afar, and indeed his side-muscles trembled as he spoke. 
who told thee that the palace of pictures was illuminated and the windows thrown open. Come hither and see, replied the caliph. Then Ja'afar came close to the caliph, and, looking towards the garden, saw the palace blazing with illumination that rayed through the gloom of the night, and thinking that this might have been permitted by the keeper for some reason of his own, he wished to make an excuse for him. So, quoth he, O commander of the faithful, Shaykh Ibrahim said to me last week, O my lord Ja'afar, I much wish to circumcise my sons during the life of the commander of the faithful and thy life. I asked, What dost thou want? And he answered, Get me leave from the caliph to hold the festival in the garden palace. So said I to him, Go, circumcise them, and I will see the caliph and tell him. Thereupon he went away, and I forgot to let thee know. O oh, Ja'afar, said the caliph, thou hast committed two offences against me. First, in that thou didst no report to me. Secondly, thou didst not give him what he sought, for he came and told thee this only as excuse to ask for some small matter of money, to help him with the outlay, and thou gavest him nothing, nor toldest me. O oh, commander of the faithful, said Ja'afar, I forgot. Now, by the rights of my forefathers and the tombs of my forebears, quoth the caliph, I will not pass the rest of this night save in company with him, for truly he is a pious man who frequenteth the elders of the faith and the fakirs and other religious mendicants and entertaineth them. Doubtless they are not assembled together, and it may be that the prayer of one of them will work us weal both in this world and in the next. Besides, my presence may profit, and at any rate be pleasing to Shaykh Ibrahim. O commander of the faithful, quoth Ja'afar, the greater part of the night is past, and at this time they will be breaking up, quoth the caliph. It matters not. I needs must go to them. So Ja'afar held his peace, being bewildered, and knowing not what to do. Then the caliph rose to his feet, and taking with him Ja'afar and Masrur, the eunuch sorder, the three disguised themselves in merchant's gear, and leaving the city palace, kept threading the streets till they reached the garden. The caliph went up to the gate, and finding it wide open, was surprised, and said, See, O Ja'afar, how Shaykh Ibrahim hath left the gate open at this hour, contrary to his custom. They went in, and walked on, till they came under the pavilion, when the caliph said, O Ja'afar, I wish to look in upon them unawares, before I show myself, that I may see what they are about, and get sight of the elders. For hitherto I have heard no sound from them, nor even a fakir calling upon the name of Allah. Then he looked about, and seeing a tall walnut-tree, said to Ja'afar, I will climb this tree, for its branches are near the lattices, and so look in upon them. Thereupon he mounted the tree, and ceased not climbing from branch to branch, till he reached a bough, which was right opposite one of the windows, and here he took a seat, and looked inside the palace. He saw a damsel and a youth, as they were two moons. Glory be to him who created and fashioned them, and by them Shaykh Ibrahim, seated, cup in hand, and saying, O princess of fair ones, drinking without music is nothing worth. Indeed, I have heard a poet say, Round with bit and little the bowl and cup, Take either that moon in his sheen hath crowned, Nor drink without music, for oft I've seen The horse drink best to the whistle's sound. 
When the caliph saw this, the vein of wrath started up between his eyes, and he came down and said to the wazir, O Ja'afar, never beheld I yet men of piety in such case. So do thou mount this tree and look upon them, lest the blessings of the blessed be lost to thee. Ja'afar, hearing the words of the commander of the faithful, and being confounded by them, climbed to the tree-top, and looking in, saw Nur ad-Din and the damsel, and Shaykh Ibrahim, holding in his hand a brimming bowl. At this sight he made sure of death, and descending stood before the commander of the faithful, who said to him, O Ja'far, praise be to Allah, who hath made of us those that observe external ordinances of holy law, and hath averted from us the sin of disguising ourselves after the manner of hypocrites. But Ja'far could not speak a word for excess of confusion, so the caliph looked at him and said, I wonder how they came hither, and who admitted them into my pavilion. But aught like the beauty of this youth and this damsel my eyes never yet saw. Thou sayest sooth, O our lord the sultan, replied Ja'far, and he hoped to propitiate the caliph Harun al-Rashid. Then quoth the caliph, O Ja'far, let us both mount the branch opposite the window, that we may amuse ourselves with looking at them. So the two climbed the tree, and peering in, heard Shaykh Ibrahim say, O my lady, I have cast away all gravity mine by the drinking of wine, but tis not sweet, save with the soft sounds of the lute-strings it combine. By Allah, replied Anis al-Jalis, O Shaykh Ibrahim, and we had but some instrument of music, our joints were complete. Hearing this, he rose to his feet, and the caliph said to Ja'afar, I wonder what he is about to do. And Ja'afar answered, I know not. The shaykh disappeared, and presently reappeared, bringing a lute, and the caliph took note of it, and knew it for that of Abu Ishak, the cup-companion. By Allah, said the caliph, if this damsel sing ill, I will crucify all of you, but if she sing well, I will forgive them, and only gibbet thee. O oh Allah, cause her to sing vilely, quoth Ja'afar, asked the caliph, why so? And he answered, if thou crucify us all together, we shall keep one another company. The caliph laughed at his speech. Presently the damsel took the lute, and after looking at it and tuning it, she played a measure which made all hearts yearn to her. Then she sang these lines. O ye that can aid me, a wretched lover, whom longing burns, nor can rest restore me, though all you have done I have well deserved, I take refuge with you, so exult not o'er me. True, I am weak and low and vile, but I'll bear your will and whatso you bore me. My death at your hands, what brings it of glory? I fear but your sin, which of life forlore me. Quoth the caliph, By Allah, good! O Ja'afar, never in my life have I heard a voice so enchanting as this. Then haply the caliph's wrath hath passed away, said Ja'afar, and he replied, Yes, tis gone. Thereupon they descended from the tree, and the caliph said to Ja'afar, I wish to go in and sit with them, and hear the damsel sing before me. O commander of the faithful, replied Ja'afar, if thou go into them, they will be terribly troubled, and Shaykh Ibrahim will assuredly die of fright. But the caliph answered, O Ja'afar, thou must teach me some device wherewith to delude them, 
and whereby I can foregather with them without their knowing me. So they walked towards the Tigris, pondering the matter, and presently came upon a fisherman who stood fishing under the pavilion windows. Now, some time before this, the caliph, being in the pavilion, had called to Shaykh Ibrahim and asked him, What noise is this I hear under the windows? And he had answered, It is voices of fisherfolk catching fish. So, quoth the caliph, Go down and forbid them this place. And he forbade them accordingly. However, that night a fisherman named Karim, happening to pass by and seeing the garden gate open, said to himself, This is a time of negligence, and I will take advantage of it to do a bit of fishing. So he took his net and cast it, but he had hardly done so when, behold, the caliph came up single-handed, and standing hard by, knew him, and called aloud to him, Ho, oh, Karim! The fisherman, hearing himself named, turned round, and seeing the caliph, trembled and his side muscles quivered, as he cried, By Allah, O commander of the faithful, I did it not in mockery of the mandate, but poverty and a large family drove me to what thou seest. Quoth the caliph, Make a cast in my name. At this the fisherman was glad, and going to the bank through his net, then, waiting till it had spread out at full stretch and settled down, hauled it up and found in it various kinds of fish. The caliph was pleased, and said, O Karim, doff thy habit. So he put off a gabardine of coarse woollen stuff, patched in an hundred places, whereon the lice were rampant and a turban which had never been untwisted for three years, but to which he had sewn every rag he came upon. The caliph also pulled off his person two vests of Alexandrian and Baalbek silk, a loose inner robe and a long-sleeved outer coat, and said to the fisherman, Take them and put them on, while he assumed the foul gabardine and filthy turban, and drew a corner of the headcloth as a mouth-veil before his face. Then said he to the fisherman, Get thee about thy business. And the man kissed the caliph's feet, and thanked him, and improvised the following couplets. Thou hast granted more favours than ever I craved. Thou hast satisfied needs which my heart enslaved. I will thank thee, and thank, while as life shall last. And my bones will praise thee, in grave engraved. Hardly had the fisherman ended his verse, when the lice began to crawl over the caliph's skin, and he fell to catching them on his neck with his right and left, and throwing them from him, while he cried, O oh, fisherman, woe to thee! What be this abundance of lice on thy gabardine? O oh, my lord, replied he, they may annoy thee just at first, but before a week is past, thou wilt not feel them, nor think of them. The caliph laughed, and said to him, out on thee! Shall I leave this gabardine of thine so long on my body? Quoth the fisherman, I would say a word to thee, but I am ashamed in the presence of the caliph. And quoth he, Say what thou hast to say. It passed through my thought, O commander of the faithful, said the fisherman, that since thou wishest to learn fishing, so thou mayest have in hand an honest trade, whereby to gain thy livelihood, this my gabardine besitteth thee right well. The commander of the faithful laughed at this speech, and the fisherman went his way. Then the caliph took up the basket of fish, and strewing a little green grass over it, carried it to Ja'afar, and stood before him. Ja'afar, thinking him to be Karim the fisherman, feared for him, and said, 
O Karim, what brought thee hither? Flee for thy life, for the Caliph is in the garden to-night, and if he see thee, thy neck is gone. At this the Caliph laughed, and Ja'afar recognised him, and asked, Can it be thou, our lord, the Sultan? And he answered, Yes, O Ja'afar, and thou art my wazir, and I and thou came hither together. Yet thou knowest me not, so how should Shaykh Ibrahim know me, and he drunk? Stay here till I come back to thee. To hear is to obey, said Ja'afar. Then the Caliph went up to the door of the pavilion, and knocked a gentle knock, whereupon said Nur ad-Din, O oh, Shaykh Ibrahim, someone taps at the door. Who goes there? cried the Shaykh, and the Caliph replied, It is I, O oh, Shaykh Ibrahim. Who art thou? quoth he, and quoth the other, I am Karim the fisherman, I hear thou hast a feast. So I have brought thee some fish, and of a truth tis good fish. When Nur ad-Din heard the mention of fish, he was glad, he and the damsel, and they both said to the shaykh, O our lord, open the door, and let him bring us his fish. So shaykh Ibrahim opened, and the caliph came in, and he in fisherman guise, and began by saluting them. Said shaykh Ibrahim, Welcome to the blackguard, the robber, the dicer. Let us see thy fish. So the caliph showed them his catch, and behold, the fishes were still alive and jumping, whereupon the damsel exclaimed, By Allah, O my lord, these are indeed fine fish, would they were fried. And Shaykh Ibrahim rejoined, By Allah, O my lady, thou art right. Then said he to the caliph, O fisherman, why didst thou not bring us the fish ready fried? Up now and cook them, and bring them back to us. On my head be thy commands, said the caliph. I will fry thee a dish and bring it. Said they, Look sharp. Thereupon he went and ran till he came up to Ja'afar, when he called to him, Hello, Ja'afar. And he replied, Here I am, O commander of the faithful. Is all well? They want the fish fried, said the caliph. And Ja'afar answered, O commander of the faithful, give it to me and I'll fry it for them. By the tombs of my forebears, quoth the caliph, none shall fry it but I, with mine own hand. So he went to the gardener's hut, where he searched, and found all that he required, even to salt and saffron and wild marjoram, and else besides. Then he turned to the brazier, and setting on the frying-pan, fried a right good fry. When it was done, he laid it on a banana-leaf, and gathering from the garden wind-fallen fruits, limes and lemons, carried the fish to the pavilion, and set the dish before them. So the youth and the damsel, and Shaykh Ibrahim, came forward and ate, after which they washed their hands, and Nur ad-Din said to the caliph, By Allah, O fisherman, thou hast done us a right good deed this night. Then he put hand in pouch, and taking out three of the dinars which Sanjar had given him, said, O fisherman, excuse me, by Allah, had I known thee before that which hath lately befallen me, I had done away with the bitterness of poverty from thy heart. But take thou this as the best I can do for thee. Then he threw the gold pieces to the caliph, who took them and kissed them, and put them in pouch. Now his sole object in doing all this was to hear the damsel sing. So he said to Nur ad-Din, Thou hast rewarded me most liberally, but I beg of thy boundless bounty that thou let this damsel sing an air, that I may hear her. So Nur ad-Din said, O Anis al-Jalis, 
And she answered, Yes. And he continued, By my life, sing us something for the sake of this fisherman, who wisheth so much to hear thee. Thereupon she took the lute, and struck the strings, after she had screwed them tight and tuned them, and sang these improvised verses. The fawn of a maid hent her lute in hand, and her music made us right mettlesome, for her song gave hearing to ears stone deaf, while brava, brava, exclaimed the dumb. Then she played again, and played so ravishingly that she charmed their wits, and burst out improvising and singing these couplets. You have honoured us visiting this our land, and your splendour illumined the glooms that blent. So tis due that for you I perfume my place with rose-water, musk, and the camphor scent. Hereupon the caliph was agitated, and emotion so overpowered him that he could not command himself for excess of pleasure, and he exclaimed, By Allah, good! By Allah, good! By Allah, good! Asked Nur ad-Din, O fisherman, doth this damsel please thee? And the caliph answered, Ay, by Allah! Whereupon said Nur ad-Din, she is a gift to thee, a gift of the generous who repenteth him not of his givings, and who will never revoke his gift. Then he sprang to his feet, and taking a loose robe, threw it over the fisherman, and bade him receive the damsel, and be gone. But she looked at him, and said, O oh my lord, art thou faring forth without farewell? If it must be so, at least stay till I bid thee good-bye, and make known my case." And she began versifying in these verses. When love and longing and regret are mine, Must not this body show of ills a sign? My love, say not, thou soon shalt be consoled. When state speaks state, none shall allay my pine. If living man could swim upon his tears, I first should float on waters of these eyne. O thou, who in my heart infusedst thy love, as water mingles in the cup with wine, this was the fear I feared, this parting blow, O thou whose love my heart-core ne'er shall tine. O bin Chakan, my thought, my hope, my will, O thou whose love this breast make holy thine, against thy lord the king thou sinnedst for me, and winced exile in lands peregrine. Allah ne'er make my lord repent my loss, to cream a man thou gavest me, one right dine. When she had ended her verses, Nur ad-Din answered her with these lines. She bade me farewell on our parting day, and she wept in the fire of our bane and pains. What wilt thou do when for thee I'm gone? Quoth I, say this to whom life remains. When the caliph heard her saying in her verse, To Karim the cream of men thou gavest me, his inclination for her redoubled, and it seemed a hard matter and a grievous to part them. So quoth he to the youth, O oh my lord, truly the damsel said in her verses that thou didst transgress against her master and him who owned her. So tell me, against whom didst thou transgress, and who is it hath a claim on thee? By Allah, O fisherman, replied Nur ad-Din, there befell me and this damsel a wondrous tale and a marvellous matter, and to a graven with needle-gravers on the eye-corners it would be a warner to whoso would be warned. Cried the caliph, 
Wilt thou not tell me thy story, and acquaint me with thy case? Haply it may bring thee relief, for Allah's aid is ever near hand. O fisherman, said Nur ad-Din, wilt thou hear our history in verse or in prose? Prose is a wordy thing, but verses, rejoined the caliph, are pearls on a string. Then Nur ad-Din bowed his head and made these couplets. O my friend, reft of rest, no repose I command, and my grief is redoubled in this far land. Erst I had a father, a kinder ne'er was, but he died, and to death paid the day o' damned. When he went from me, every matter went wrong, till my heart was nigh broken, my nature unmanned. He bought me a handmaid, a sweeting who shamed, a wand of the willow by Zephyr befanned. I lavished upon her mine heritage, and spent like a nobleman, puissant and grand. Then to sell her compelled, my sorrow increased. The parting was sore, but I mote not gain stand. Now as soon as the crier had called her their bid, a wicked old fellow, a fiery brand, so I raged with a rage that I could not restrain, and snatched her from out of his hireling's hand. When the angry curmudgeon made ready for blows, and the fire of a fight kindled he and his band, I smote him in fury with right and with left, and his hide, till well satisfied, curried and tanned. Then in fear I fled forth, and lay hid in my house, to escape from the snares which my foeman had spanned. So the king of the country proclaimed my arrest, when access to me a good chamberlain fanned, and warned me to flee from the city afar, disappear, disappoint what my enemies planned. Then we fled from our home neath the wing of the night, and sought us a refuge by Baghdad's strand. Of my riches I've nothing on thee to bestow, O fisher, except the fair gift thou hast scanned. The loved of my soul, and when I from her part, know for sure that I give thee the blood of my heart. When he had ended his verse, the caliph said to him, O my lord Nur ad-Din, explain to me thy case more fully. So he told him the whole story from beginning to end, and the caliph said to him, Whither dost thou now intend? Allah's world is wide, replied he. Quoth the caliph, I will write thee a letter to carry to the Sultan Mohammed bin Sulaiman al-Zaini, which, when he readeth, he will not hurt nor harm thee in aught. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 4 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2